Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director for Information Technology. Chris, welcome to the discussion. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. It's been a while since I've had someone from uh, an energy department lab on my show, so it's always nice to kind of revisit with you all. You're out there in the, the sunny state of Nevada. It's always nice to kind of also get the opinion or the, the feedback from someone outside the D.C. area. So let's start right there at the beginning. The Energy Department's Nevada National Security Site. Tell us about the site and, and, and your mission. The Nevada National Security Site, it's it's a, a pretty significant size site. It's about 1,355 square miles in itself, and it's located, the core site is located 65 miles northwest of Las Vegas. And uh, there's two additional locations here in Las Vegas uh, proper. There's the... Uh, out on Nellis Air Force Base, and then we call it our North Las Vegas campus. And then we also have some satellite offices in New Mexico, California, New York, and Washington, D.C. In addition to that, our mission, it's the site and related facilities are to uh, help ensure the security of the United States and its allies by supporting a multitude of things. And so it's uh, providing nuclear and radiological emergency uh, response capabilities, we execute national level experiments in support of the national laboratories. We work with national security customers and other federal agencies on important national security activities. And also we provide long-term environmental stewardship of the NNSS Cold War legacy. So quite a few things, it's a pretty broad spectrum of what we do. We've got scientists, engineers, mathematicians, technicians at the NSS and our satellite locations. We partner with colleagues across the national security enterprise, including those national laboratories and the defense and intelligence communities, and, and execute a multitude of high-level experimental research and training activities in support of national security. And overall, our NSS operations are overseen by the National Nuclear Security Administration's Nevada Field Office, and the management operation contractor, uh, we are, uh, Mission Support and Test Service, MSTS, is who I work for. And so with that, uh, again, the, the mission that we serve is Im important to me. I, I've been in NNSS for closing in on, uh, I think, around 38 or 39 years. I spent a lot of time in Kansas City at the uh, uh, KCNSC and had the opportunity to come out and join this team uh, for, for this element of NNSS uh, or, or NNSA's mission and uh, quite happy to do it. I, I love the challenge. Wow, 38 years. That's, that's, that's incredible. I always find it so impressive when we, we talk to federal employees and contractors who have kind of been in that in that in the community for so long. And, and the technology has probably changed uh, quite a bit in your 38 years, which is a great segue to your role as the CIO. How do you support the NNSS's mission? I've had various roles throughout my career, as you can imagine, as we all do. I didn't uh, grow up and start as the CIO. I just uh, kind of was uh, fortunate to work with KCNSE for a number of years. And, uh, and so from a technology perspective, you know, I, I view my role as the CIO is I, I start with, you know, defining the ends and starting with the end in mind. So I want to define and share that vision. I always view 
IT is an enabler. There is literally nothing that goes on in our business that doesn't involve IT. And so we build relationships, we work on being good communicators. And at the core of that for me is people, process, and technology. And that technology turns into productivity. And so I believe IT is an integral element to every aspect of the business for NNSS. And uh, more importantly, our role that I, that I portray with my teams is we're the integrator for the site. And so whether it is uh, our, our partners from Sandia, Livermore, Los Alamos, our SOC, which is our, uh, our security contractor, uh, Navarro, all those things happen with IT tools, services, and capabilities. And so not only do we provide those day-to-day -day compute needs for those teams, but we also propose new ways to accomplish the work. Because as you said, Jason, the technology is always changing. And I, I kind of always talk about, you know, the tool is not the solution, hence people, process, and technology. But more importantly, stepping back from that and figuring out what it is we want to, to achieve and then leverage technology to make those process improvements, uh, make those things efficient and effective. I think that's been one of the biggest changes I've seen over the last five or seven years is, is this really grasping of the technology as the enabler. Now, that being said, you're trying to, to, to fix a problem, but if, if the network itself or, or the, the tools are not available to fix the problem, the problem will remain a problem. So let's jump right in and talk a little bit about those technologies, even though yeah. we know it's the enabler. Uh, the, the, the one big piece of our discussion today is gonna to talk about network, network modernization. Let's talk about the national, the Nevada National Security Sites Network, current state of it, and how are you going about modernizing it? What's your strategy? You're right, there's always something to do. And uh, as we looked at how we were running the business here in Nevada, we identify and group those things. And so one of the first things that I did was we came in and we created some specific plans. So a talent management plan for, for our skills and our people, identified the various processes. But when we got to technology, it was how do we categorize through our offerings what those foundational elements are? And, and you are spot on that the network is a foundational element that without the network, without that foundation, that you know you can work a lot around it, but you're not going to solve big problems. And so we we went almost immediately and started developing a network 2025 vision, and started hang, hanging that I would say the meat on it, the the detail that's needed in what that vision would look like, what the technologies we would use. Uh, of course, we looked at the as is. What did we have? But we knew that was outdated. We knew that it was a lot of legacy equipment, a lot of folks doing some great work to try to keep those things up and running. But ultimately we knew that we had to move it into the 21st century and, and, and looking further out from 2021 to, to 2025. And so as we developed that, we thought about all the different elements, fiber, copper, microwave, or we, we have a significant two-way radio um, system that we, we operate, a P25 system. And we knew that we wanted to get to a very highly flexible, high capacity, high bandwidth, always on foundation so that we could, if as the business changed, we could quickly and efficiently support that. And, and more often than not, really, I wanna be in the position that, that you don't have to ask, it's just part of the process. 
And so that strategy was, well, we have to start with the end in mind. What's that look like? And so we, we focused on what improvements do we need to make to the two-way radio system? Uh, we have a multitude of towers that exist and, and what is the shape those towers are in? So getting some actively doing some assessments. Okay, what is our biggest risks and began addressing those. We looked at our microwave system. It was all analog and some very outdated stuff. And, and I, later on, I'll touch on it of how we're improving that and uh, moving to millimeter microwave. You know, it is a lot of talk today around 5G networks and, you know, all the, uh, the big carriers are um, moving that direction and touting their capabilities. Well, during our, uh, our, our envisioning for what we wanted to be, we included 5G. And so as we're building out these various networks, we're including that thought process of and, our, and leveraging our partnerships with, with AT&T and Verizon of, of how can we bring their technologies to our site to further our mission. So, you know, in a nutshell, I want, I want it to be flexible. I want us to be, have uh, plenty of capacity and capability. And the other part is, as I was telling you a bit about who NNSS is and where we're located, those remote sites, I have a kind of a central theme that it's a, it's very simple. I'm a, uh, it's a same, same mentality. So I want the same experience if you're at my North Las Vegas campus, or if you drive out the 65 miles and you sit down to a computer, you should have the same experience there. Or if you get on the plane and you go to uh, Andrews Air Force Base out in Washington uh, and get on one of our systems there, it's the same, same speed, same capability. And, and again, the network is the foundation for that. So the strategy focuses around bringing it up to the 21st century, leveraging our technology partners to bring their best and brightest to the table, partnering with them as we perform implementations. And we're seeing, starting to see uh, and implementing those improvements to the, the network today. All right, uh, Chris, plenty more to talk about. You opened the door, so uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and from that break and walk through it and talk about how you are uh, getting your network ready for the future. First, we'll take a quick break. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director for Information Technology. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. A federal career can last 30 years or more, and so can your federal retirement. Tune in for your benefit every Monday morning to get the information you need to plan your retirement, maximize your federal benefits, and increase your financial savvy. For Your Benefit, presented by NITP and sponsored by WEPA, offers valuable information on topics of interest to the federal employee. Join us each Monday at 10.05 a.m. on Federal News Network. For additional information, visit NITPINC.com. Here's Bob Stevens, the Area Vice President for Public Sector at GitLab, on Ask the CIO, sponsored by GitLab. What we're seeing from our customers is a real need for the advancement in regard to DevSecOps. They have a lot of legacy applications out there that need to be converted, and they need to be converted quickly. There's a lot of older technology that's being used. So how do we integrate that with newer technology? And we're seeing our customers being able to figure that out pretty rapidly. Listen to the entire discussion on Federal News Network. 
Search Ask the CIO. Today's changing threat landscape requires the government to deploy new capabilities and updates to connected systems and software in minutes or hours, not days or weeks. GitLab's complete DevOps platform delivered as a single application fundamentally changes the way development, security, and ops teams collaborate. GitLab helps agencies accelerate software delivery in minutes, lowering development costs and reducing the risk of app vulnerabilities while enhancing speed to mission. Learn more at gitlab.com solutions slash DevSecOps. C3 AI is solving previously unsolvable problems in mission-critical defense and intelligence challenges. Learn more at C3.ai. C3 AI. This is Enterprise AI. You don't want to mess with the IRS. They have the power to garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, and even take your home or business. That's all true. But thankfully, they're offering a way out, the Fresh Start Initiative. If you qualify, you could save thousands. The experts at Optima Tax Relief will fight to get you the best deal possible. And they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau to prove it. Call Optima for your free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. For details, visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. What's best for you and your federal career? And what comes next? Your turn with Mike Causey. Search your turn. Our mission is helping you meet your mission. Federal News Network. Federal News Network. Federal News Network. This is Scott Massioni. Follow me for the latest news critical to the defense community on Twitter at SMassioniWFED. S-M-A-U-C-I-O-N-E-W-F-E-D. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director for Information Technology. Chris, before break, we were talking about your network a little bit and, and the foundational piece that it is, and you said you want to bring it into the 21st century. Let me take a half a step back first and just start with how old is your network? Obviously, it's, it's never finished, always in the middle of changing, but do you have technologies that are 5, 10, 20 years old, or are you still stuck in COBOL? Give me a sense of what your network looks like today. <laughs> to get some perspective, uh, I threw that out earlier, and I thought that a little perspective would help. So not necessarily around particular vendors, whether it's a Cisco, Extreme, whatever those vendors are. We had a lot of legacy equipment that was aging, and as you know, Equipment has an end of life, end of support. And so when three years ago, when we began in earnest, starting moving the ball forward and, and wanting to upgrade, we looked at in that asset management plan, uh, start, we documented the age of the systems and whether they were currently supported. Did we have maintenance on it? If we didn't have maintenance on it, what was its lifespan? And so we were talking about at the edge network, we had equipment as old as 10 to 12 years. At the core of the network, we had you know, core switches that were in that 10 to 15 year old age. The microwave systems were 15 to 20 year old systems. The uh, Harris radio system, the uh, P25 radio system for the two-way, it, it was not aged. The, the challenge was that the core was upgraded but none of the handsets or the mobiles or the um, base stations were upgraded. And so they were all, uh, you know, the 10 year old uh, systems, 10 to 12 year old systems. And so the challenge was there, there was opportunity everywhere you turn. And so where do you start? And so that was the value of the asset, asset management plan was to 
help line out, well, this is our direction. This is the vision. This is where we're going to go. And so therefore, this is where we start. And we partner with various entities for funding or you know, in, look internally for our own for our own funding of uh, where's the most risk and then move forward. So a, as we began that, so then it kind of make you start making a turn. And so partnering with folks like Extreme that we called them in the first year and we had discussions around, well, this is where you're at and this is where we're at. That's the as is. So where are you guys going? Because this is where we're headed. And uh, aligning those um, those directions with them and and having them provide to us, here's our vision for where our network gear and, and how we're going to address these types of problems and doing a fit gap analysis. So partnering with our vendors was was very helpful to understand uh, if there if there were gaps and, uh, and and of course you know the cost and the magnitude of what that upgrade would be. Uh, we did an assessment of our optical uh, transport network, so the fiber backbones. And um, uh, we knew that we had areas where the fiber was just simply, you know, it's uh, it, when it ages, it, it creates uh, breakages and outages. And so we tracked that to uh, establish where, where do we need to apply uh, the, the resources first and foremost, and, and then started partnering with uh, our, our uh, uh, fiber solution provider, uh, again, same thing as working with Extreme. you know, where is your product line going? What is a best fit for us? And uh, begin laying that plan out three years ago. And I think I broached and talked about, you know, the history on the microwave system was in that uh, 10 to 15 year age, it was all analog and uh, nothing was uh, of digital. So passing the standard ethernet protocols uh, was not an option. It was a convert process. So we knew that we needed to bring that into the 21st century. So for me, it was developing that that vision and then start laying the elements into it so that we could create this foundation that was rock solid. I think as you mentioned a couple of years ago, you started this maybe three years ago, you started looking at your as is, where you want to head, where you want to go. And then 2020 hits and the pandemic slaps us all in the back of the head from a technology perspective, how did the pandemic all of a sudden force you to change that strategy, if you will, or accelerate it? We made a a nice pivot. So where we were at was we had developed and were leveraging a pretty significant base of virtual desktops, VDI. And the virtual desktops were okay. We have our issues at that time we, we decided with the pandemic, we, as we pivoted to more of our people being at home, we immediately started standing up additional resources to accept that load. From a network perspective, we increased our bandwidth to the internet. We increased our bandwidth of telephony. So being able to make those calls. So where everybody had typically been at the office, they're making calls on an internally managed telephone system. And that telephone system connects via trunk lines out to the, uh, out to the world. And immediately we could see that those trunk lines were going to fill up. So we began that. I'm pleased to say that we did a nice job of pivoting within a couple of weeks that we moved. I say, uh, when I'm talking to folks, we moved 90% of the folks were in the office one day and the next day, 90%, 85, 90% were home. And so, yeah, we struggled for about two weeks, maybe three weeks, but making those changes to those core elements so people could still communicate, they could still 
participate in uh, web conferences and uh, Skype and, and those types of things, we had to take some pretty quick actions and, and uh, increase our bandwidth to uh, facilitate that. Another thing working with our core partners was uh, we, we highly leverage WebEx. And so we contacted them and, and significantly increased our uh, uh, utilization, our number of accounts with them. And so uh, that gave people an avenue instead of having to come through that bottleneck to get to the internal resources. Well, here was a valuable resource they could use that was already external. And so uh, we did that. Uh, also, people don't often think of um, their home networks so we uh, and, and connecting from home. Uh, there we had a lot of folks that didn't have uh, have resources. They didn't have home computers. They had iPads, and they they couldn't work uh, leveraging iPads. So we, as part of those foundational elements, we were providing laptops and other endpoints for them, uh, iPhones, to be able to connect. And then through that and, and leveraging the WebEx, we were able to uh, transition fairly quickly and uh, keep people moving in in the direction uh, that we needed them to. The more I talk to CIOs, the more of good news stories that you know, that seem to to come about, and and it's interesting. People always kind of complain about the government not having, you know, oh, can't move fast enough. Oh, the government always is slow or behind, and and, and the pandemic has shown that's not always the case. What was the big lesson learned about the network? What was the thing that you know over the last year you said we've got to build this into our future network? So this challenge doesn't come up again. First and foremost, I have to throw uh, uh, thank yous out to my Nevada field office. My counterpart, uh, Chad Stewart, he and his his team, as we were making these changes and pivoting to uh, full-time work from home, of course, they were doing the same thing. And through that partnership, we we made some concessions. Uh, we evaluated the risk. Again, it's it's connectivity. It's the networks that people use. And so we would uh, meet daily and talk about what the challenge was. And that truly enabled NNSS to uh, pivot and be successful was that that hand-in-hand partnership with us in the field office enabled us to make some decisions like uh, allowing our iPhones to be hotspots so they could connect their laptops to that, which previously we hadn't allowed. So we evaluated that risk, made those changes so that we could keep moving and, and be successful. So I, I got to throw props to the uh, field office for their partnering with us. And uh, again, we have a we have a, a perspective. It is one mission, one team. And uh, I, I can't uh, thank the field office enough for that. The second half of that is what did we learn and, and how's that affecting our forward path? And we learned, and so when you heard me talking earlier, one of the key things was scalability and being flexible. And during that migration from in the office to at home, well, that flexibility was key. And, and we focused on that, that, okay, well, we can, you know, not, not that we were operating out of the boundaries, but we needed to have those relationships uh, built and, and so that we could have those conversations, make decisions on the fly, and then within the same day, make the adjustments and communicate out to people. So we learned that that flexibility and those relationships, as we knew they were important, it solidified that that is what makes our business so dynamic and, and successful. The other part, as far as our networks go, we recognize our high reliance on the VDI. It, it's easier to manage and maintain, yet as we develop more and more video capability, that was the other driving thing is 
uh, it accelerated our adoption of uh, webcams, microphones, headsets to support the various capabilities, whether it's Zoom, WebEx, Microsoft Teams, and, and all those capabilities. They rely on that backbone and some of those, uh, what we consider just consumables. And so it, it really did accelerate our adoption of we need higher bandwidth, we need more efficient uh, VDI uh, systems. We need to provide more resources for the uh, uh, connectivity. So one of the things we've moved from a 10 gigabit connection to a hundred gigabit connection to the internet, because we have that much data flowing back and forth. And again, that you just don't want that to be your bottleneck. As I transition here, we're kind of talking about, and we socialized over the last year, increasing our fiber backbone. And uh, again, we were at three years ago up until now, we're still at roughly carrying 10 gigabit per customer. But the pandemic showed us that we need to be able to be very scalable and flexible. And so with that, part of that 2025 vision, we already knew we wanted to move to a a, a self-healing network that uh, on our fiber, that if there is a break in it, because it is old, that it'll automatically reroute. And it's a multi-spectrum system that uh, leverages all the spectrum. And so we're actively uh, acquiring and implementing as we speak, a complete new fiber backbone for the site that will uh, enable us to do up to hundred gigabit per customer with a total max bandwidth of about a 400 gig connection from that site all the way up the corridor on that huge site down to North Las Vegas, and then be able to move that out to our remote sites. So uh, it solidified for us that we need to pursue that with vigor, and and we are. And uh, like I said, we're actively engaged in that upgrade now. Right, good news, and it's good to hear the, the lessons that are learned. Uh, Chris, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we can continue to, to talk about what the future of your network is going to look like. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director for Information Technology. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. Are you thinking about refinancing your home to get cash out for a renovation or to pay off debt? Save money with a cash out refinance from Cap Center. We just helped a client who is a professional chef finance his dream kitchen. By avoiding typical closing costs, he had even more money for his vision. Cap your closing costs. Visit capcenter.com. Equal housing lender. Visit capcenter.com for rates, savings, and offer limitations. NMLS ID 67717. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Repurposing manpower through automation. The expert ebook provided by Ironbow Technologies in partnership with Dell Technologies is now available. Get insights on automation such as how Treasury and DLA are embracing AI, machine learning, why data matters, and how AI success means looking at the problem. Go to federalnewsnetwork.com today and search keyword Ironbow to download Repurposing Manpower through Automation, an expert ebook provided by Ironbow Technologies in partnership with Dell Technologies. Our new way of working with a cloud-first approach has unleashed the need for new technologies that can speed up processes, automate manual workflows, and share data across organizations. How can you empower your team with data, drive efficiencies, and increase performance? Ironbow Technologies, along with Dell, will help you discover how AI technologies support agency mission success. Discover more at learn.ironbow.com AI. That's learn.ironbow.com AI. 
You don't want to mess with the IRS. They have the power to garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, and even take your home or business. That's all true. But thankfully, they're offering a way out, the Fresh Start Initiative. If you qualify, you could save thousands. The experts at Optima Tax Relief will fight to get you the best deal possible. And they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau to prove it. Call Optima for your free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. For details, visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Help prevent the spread of germs. Wash your hands with soap and hot water for at least 20 seconds and always wash before you touch your face, eat, or drink. Use hand sanitizers. Limit sharing of eating utensils. Practice social distancing and avoid physical contact. Sneeze or cough into a tissue or the inside of your elbow. Avoid contact with ill individuals. An ounce of prevention is worth a ton of cure. Download the free booklet at Scientology.org forward slash stay well. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Site's Chief Information Officer and the Director of Information Technology. Chris, before break, you mentioned something called a self-healing site uh, when it comes to fiber. You're re-looking at all your fiber, adding more bandwidth, 100 gigabytes per customer, up to maybe even 400 gigabyte connection. But I want to go back to the self-healing piece. It sounds to me like that's software-defined network. Is that exactly what, what the path you're going down? Yeah, Jason, spot on. This technology has been introduced to the uh, commercial and industry in the last five to seven years. And uh, so we knew that we needed to get to that spot. Uh, and so as we were defining that vision, we included the network virtualization layer. And so uh, in our, our partner that we leveraged for the fiber connectivity, we introduced that and said, this is where we want to go. And so uh, as we procured this particular solution, that software layer that uh, is introduced enables that self-healing functionality. And in addition to that, the other thing that we, we were constantly plagued with was being in reactive mode, and we wanted to get more proactive. So as we saw things beginning to degrade or a particular op optics across a 30-mile a, a range, if we saw that degrading, we wanted to be in front of that be able to know exactly where it was going to break through those optics. And then knowing full well that this new network would then heal itself, but we could already have teams in route to go make the repair or, or make the upgrade as needed. So getting to that point where, again, we're more proactive, the system is just uh, taking care of itself and notifying us of what's going on. That's the position we wanted to be in. Now, I hear a lot about SDN and moving to, a, you know, the, kind of the wide area network. And usually when we talk about SDN, we hear about the cloud and where the cloud fits in. And, and I have to give you uh, credit, Chris. We've uh, talked for more than 20 minutes and you didn't mention cloud once. So <laughs> I will bring it up. What is the role of cloud computing, cloud services, either infrastructure as a service or platform as a service to this network modernization effort? The cloud is, is interesting for me because I think there are a lot of offerings and you have to, again, have, have kind of in mind where you want to go, how you want to use it. And so we are leveraging our cloud technologies pretty significantly already. We have, we're actively engaged in migrating our Microsoft suite up to M365. Uh, we partnered with NNSA around what their directions are and uh, laid in our plans. So we've got that moving forward. We take a posture, I don't know what the, what the current posture is, but ours is, it's, it's cloud appropriate. And so 
we look at cloud first, but it has to meet specific criteria. And so when it comes to the network, uh, as I said, we, we bumped our connectivity up from 10 gig to 100 gig. The other element that we have here in Vegas, it's, it's nice to have it and we're, we're, gonna, we're leveraging it is there's a facility uh, and a business called Switch out here and they operate a class four data center. And so uh, one of the things in our, our strategy is to begin minimizing the reliance we have on our local data centers and rely more on cloud technologies and uh, and the switch offering. And the switch offering, uh, we have uh, one of our businesses, we moved into switch over uh, about a year ago. And uh, as, as I was talking to you, Jason, about our VDI solution, well, on our roadmap this year, we're going to begin hosting uh, using a hyper-converged network of uh, our, our, for our VDI system, we're going to, we're actually going to install that over at the switch facility versus our data center. We have local here in North Las Vegas. Uh, we also have a, a data center out in the, uh, the site 65 miles Northwest of, uh, Las Vegas. We have a data center out there and we try to keep that localized for some of those, uh, activities and experiments that are going on there. And so you can imagine that with those multiple data centers, well, that's kind of that foundation of that high, super high speed network, uh, that fiber connectivity is what's vital. And so that's why we, we put a lot of effort into that up front because we need that foundation, which enables the, the installation of the VDI system over at Switch. It enables uh, hosting both class, classified and unclassified data there in, uh, in at the site. So that, Fiber network is vital to uh, our, our success. And then when you take the next layer, which is uh, we leverage extreme for our edge network and our core network, partnering with them to bring up, up to the latest, uh, their latest builds and replacing some of that legacy 10 year old edge switches with their generation two switches. Um, we're in, it enables us to do things like network access control. So we're providing more security to our customers and to our uh, folks that use the network uh, by leveraging technologies that are just tried and true industry standards. And so we've been employing uh, the NAC uh, network access control. Every time we install it's, it's uh, we call it NAC first. So when we install and replace a switch, well, it has NAC on it and we know exactly what devices are supposed to be connected to it. So it's increasing our posture for security. We I talked a bit about the the modular data center out on in uh, area six out in uh, at the site. We are highly leveraging that with uh, both the VDI system and our storage and backup. So it has been very convenient for us to be able to leverage those sites. You know when you work on disaster recovery and oftentimes folks at different facilities they have an issue because they don't have. A, enough uh, distance between where their primary and their secondary data center is. And so they have to do something different. Oftentimes they move to the cloud. Well, that network and those foundational elements, they allow us to put our disaster recovery out at the, at the site. And so we're able to minimize some expense there by leveraging our existing resources. Again, the key is you have to have those backbones and those uh, foundational layers. Uh, in place and uh, and as we're bringing that up to speed, we have a good service today, 
but we're moving to a great service with the uh, with the upgrade. You mentioned the cloud idea, and you mentioned cloud first, but but also, if you will, cloud smart, right? You got to make sure yep. it, what's appropriate, what what makes sense, it, because of what you do and where you sit within the you know NSA. Is the security issue? Uh, it's always first and foremost. Let me start there because I know what your answer oh, is yeah. going to be. But how much does that play into the decision about what goes to the cloud and what doesn't? And how much of your network can, is cloud ready or cloud enabled or, or can be can rely on the cloud? Within NNSA, there's the cloud first perspective and cloud appropriate. When we're consolidating or we're wanting to upgrade or if we're wanting a new product, we always look cloud, cloud first. And, but specifically, we're looking for vendors that are FedRAMP approved and that they've gone through that process with the government to, to garner that approval. And that gives us the knowledge that, well, they have met this rigorous criteria for, uh, for their product. So when, uh, and uh, again, I'll go back to this relationship that we have with the field office from a security perspective, we are on the same page that if, it, if that's been vetted through that rigorous process, then we want to leverage it. And so uh, we still do that, uh, our individual and for each particular product, there is the core of the service, but then there are some site unique things uh, that we have to you know, go through and validate. But we have a process that we created that uh, we created that with the field office. And as, and as we follow that process, uh, it becomes very quick. And so for us to adopt a cloud product, uh, our turnaround time is, is in months, not years. And, uh, you know, I think we're running somewhere between six and seven months to actually begin a process to acquire a cloud product and then field that. And so I'm pretty proud that our relationship and our processes and our people enable us to do that because again, you know, IT changes, the business changes, and we need to be flexible. And so that uh, people process and, tech, process and technology that we've implemented in that relationship within, with uh, the Nevada field office, that enables us to be successful. As we continue to move to the cloud, again, I, I kind of mentioned a, uh, the Microsoft move. We also have some of our records management and our content management with open text. Uh, they are on a, currently on a process to get FedRAMP approved. That's the meetings we have with those vendors are, you know, if, if we want to continue to have a strategic relationship, you need to be on a path to be FedRAMP uh, moderate or FedRAMP high. And uh, so they take those things on. And we've been having discussions with uh, various vendors of, you know, partnering with them to help them get that, uh, that accreditation that they need through FedRAMP. So we're just going to continue from the network perspective leveraging that again whether it's uh, extreme or sienna or uh, microsoft we want them to be fedramp uh, fedramp uh, moderate or fedramp high approved and and then we can aggressively move forward towards engaging that product line chris we're going to about to jump to a quick break but you mentioned you, you kind of answered my question but let me just put a finer point on it you mentioned sure. fedramp moderate fedramp high do you lean towards one or the other or it all depends on the workload and all depends on the application are most of your cloud instances high or medium or again, depends? Most of our stuff is FedRAMP medium. We are looking at a few FedRAMP high, but it is uh, often it's the use case and it's how the customer or how we want to leverage that and what 
uh, at what type the data is. And also if it's UFNI data or OUO, so on and so forth, then that process bets out which one of those it should be. I would say that uh, we are on a, a great path around FedRAMP moderate. We have a couple of FedRAMP highs that we work with, but the ease and efficiency comes through, you know, we've developed that process. And, and so when we submit for a package that says, hey, we want to move this in this particular area, it's the same, same. They've seen that, you know, uh, my federal counterpart has seen that. They know what to expect. We've documented appropriately and they know that we vetted it appropriately. And, uh, and, and we launch that product and get that approval. All right, excellent. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Chris, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director for Information Technology. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. Jason Miller's Reporter's Notebook is the insider's guide to the federal community. Subscribe at Federal News Network. Each week on the Business of Government Hour, government executives and thought leaders join host Michael Keegan for an informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government and its effectiveness. These individuals are truly changing the way government does business. So join them each week on the Business of Government Hour. Find out how the business of government isn't business as usual. The Business of Government Hour, every Monday at 11 a.m. on Federal News Network. COVID-19 is impacting the world and changing the face of healthcare. Conversations on Healthcare with Mark Maselli and Margaret Flinter welcomes the greatest minds in health policy, technology, and innovation from Dr. Anthony Fauci. There are going to be more than one vaccine that's going to be approved by the FDA. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. If we really want to get treatment right, we've got to integrate it with primary care. We're bringing these experts straight to you Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8.30 on the Federal News Network. Conversations on Healthcare is a production of Community Health Center for more than 20 years, SolarWinds has been a global leader in IT management and monitoring solutions. We give government agencies the tools they need to improve performance, reduce costs, and streamline operations. SolarWinds provides powerful, affordable, and secure products that deliver unified visibility and scalable monitoring across geographically distributed networks and hybrid IT infrastructures. Monitor and manage your critical environments with SolarWinds. To learn more, Visit SolarWinds.com slash government. Hi, this is Sean Kelly, host of CyberChat. As a former federal CIO and CISO, I can tell you the threat landscape is a dynamic and evolving matter. My conversations with federal leaders from across the government focus on the latest trends and hottest cyber topics and challenges. Join me for a high-level conversation about how agencies maintain mission security. Tune in Friday mornings at 1030 on Federal News Network or subscribe on iTunes and Podcast One. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Rankin, the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director for Information Technology. Chris, before break, we were talking a lot about the network in the future and where the cloud fits in. The other piece to this, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and I want to go back to it, is the emerging technologies, things like 5G, things like Wi-Fi 6, which I have to be honest, you don't hear a lot about, but it 
a lot of the vendors are starting to talk about it. So I, th- I guess it's coming. Mm-hmm. Where do those things and others fit into your network modernization effort? On the 5G, I, I mentioned briefly before that we're partnering with our cell phone technology vendors. Uh, we use a, a Verizon and AT&T. And uh, we're, we're in, you know, just beginning to engage with uh, T-Mobile. We have uh, probably 18 different or so-ish uh, towers that we uh, maintain up at the site. And uh, we have both the two-way communications uh, on those, but also on several of those, we host uh, both AT&T and Verizon. And we, we want to continue moving to that 5G. As you know, Jason, the 5G technology is... Uh, the way that it functions best, it's more for densely populated areas. It, it doesn't have a long transmission capability uh, versus like the two-way radios and typical cell phone technology at that 10 to 10 to 15 mile range. The 5G is a shorter range. So it's, uh, you know, for me, I'm banking on about a mile. And so we have in at the site and at many of our, at our campus and our remote sites, well, those are where we have a highly populated campus. And so what we want to leverage from the 5G and Wi-Fi 6 is in computing is ubiquitous. It is, you're sitting there on your laptop in your office and on your docking station, and you want to get up and, and move outside, enjoy the fresh air, but yet you still want to continue doing some of your email or, or various things, you know, interacting with the systems. Well, we want folks to be able to go outside. We want, we have workers that are completing their work packages on the computer and they're in a truck. So they've driven to the site, they've they've went up to a particular facility, they went and did the work and now they're logging into the computer to, to finish up the paperwork that goes with the physical work. Well, we want to provide that Wi-Fi connectivity out in the parking lot so that they can just simply get on, launch and complete their work. So we're trying to get it, you know, our, our, our vision is make it so that it's just, you're just always on, it's always there. And uh, that's whether you're indoor, outdoor, uh, we have uh, uh, various tunnels and capabilities. They're a bit challenging, but we want that capability for connectivity to be where you are, because that's where the work is. And so, uh, you know, like I said, we we're, we have mapped out those outdoor areas, the underground areas, and we're deploying the various antenna and such that you know that that will provide that capability. Let me jump in real yeah, quick on, on on the five G piece. It's interesting you talk about the the transmission time, the capabilities is not so long. Are you because you also mentioned two way radios earlier? Is that another piece to this network discussion that you're trying to address differently than five G or, or Wi Fi six? I mean, do you need to upgrade? you know, the more traditional, if you will, radio towers or satellite, or or where does that fit into this future network? I talked about looking outside the box and and working with different solutions. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm an Elon Musk fan and and I kind of watch his companies. And one of the things that he's spinning up from a communications capability is the Starlink uh, solution. And and so I, I told our network manager, I want us to go out and and buy a couple of those installations because you know, we have uh, very remote and, and disparate locations out on this, you know, site that may not have fiber to it, may not have copper to it, but it still needs connectivity because somebody's doing something there. 
And so being able to mesh those various technologies, whether it's 5G, Wi-Fi 6, Starlink connectivity together provides, uh, it's, that's, the, that's where the innovation is, creating a solution out of these core uh, capabilities that is, is like we hadn't had before. So in that vein, the networking folks came back and said, well, listen, one of our vendors has a solution where we can actually put a, an application on our, our cell phones and we can tie that into our Harris radio system, uh, the two-way radio system. And it, it's a bridge so that instead of buying a, a $3,000, $5,000 handset from, uh, for, for a two-way radio system, we have a lot of customers that they could simply use their cell phone. Well, in order to use their cell phone, they need to either connect with a cell phone technology or Wi-Fi. And so we want to blanket the areas so that we have options. So instead of spending uh, $5,000 for a, for a uh, two-way radio handset, we can spend $500 on a new iPhone that will perform the same action. So making that connectivity so that it, it bridges those various technologies, that's what we're, we're working towards and putting things in place to be able to perform that function and provide that service. Another key piece to this, and, and uh, just briefly talk about data optimization, because if your data gets hung up, if the network's not optimized so the data can run smoothly, just real briefly, what are you doing to, to kind of ensure that part of the piece of the network modernization is happening? We're moving towards this area where we want to have multiple connections at all these remote sites. We have dual connected and uh, disparate paths. So we have fiber to North Las Vegas. Well, we need fiber that is comes in two separate buildings. And so being able to optimize that so that uh, that always on capability, that's what we're focused on. And again, uh, when you when we add in the layer so that the network becomes aware of all the traffic and is routing it appropriately. And if there's a problem somewhere, that virtualization layer, that is the, the bread and butter for us. That's, that's what we're counting on helping us to get there. And as you can imagine, that will span not only North Las Vegas and the site, but also out to our remotes so that we can quit focusing on the repair work to, you know, and reacting to issues, but being more proactive to providing better service, improved service, you know, and things that maybe our customer hasn't even thought about. Here's a service that you're going to want in a year and we already have it. So it's that envisioning that we, we work towards and then laying out those plans so that we can migrate to that uh, virtualized model. All right, very good. Uh, we have plenty more to talk about, but Chris, unfortunately we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Chris Rankin is the Energy Department's Nevada National Security Sites Chief Information Officer and the Director of Information Technology. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. I very much enjoyed our conversation. Jason, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share our experiences here and uh, thank you for uh, being such a wonderful host. My pleasure. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Extreme Networks on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes.